turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline. We're back to time 614. Three lines open. Three lines are open. one 367 one I need some erudite Christian, some uh, knowledgeable believer who practices putting up Christmas trees to call in and give me a biblical basis for your position so that we can save that tradition so that we can keep it because I'm getting emails from people who are saying, oh, not for me this year because of an innate sense after hearing the poem that, you know, sometimes we just go overboard. We do things without having a real solid basis for it. And kudos for that person. Now I'll tell you why whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Now faith doesn't have a, doesn't have a position where it takes a leap in the dark and just does what it wants to do. That's not faith. Biblical faith is always rooted in the promises of God's word, the permissions of God's word. The real topic that we're dealing with is whether or not we have freedom to do this or not. And this is where the believer's freedom can be abused um, and in some cases altogether uh, misrepresented. We're not free to do whatever we want to. As the Apostle Paul says, uh, you know, all things are lawful, but not everything is necessary or expedient. I will never be brought into captivity by anything that does not promote God exalt Jesus and edify me and people around me. So the topic that we're sharing tonight, I know it's challenging for some of you, but I'd love to hear from one of you who can give a solid biblical basis. I mean, I could do that for you, but could give a solid biblical basis while you keep the tree because it is the most popular thing. Now, we've just somewhat demolished Santa Claus. I mean, you know, Sister Lisa didn't like it, but that's We have to do that. I want to go back to Chase for a moment while you guys are calling. I'm going to read the other poem in a moment. So, Chase, are you there? Yes, I am. Right. The part of the poem that you were able to pick up on because of your present uh, mental focus and your your present studies around a lot of what's happening in terms of our Illuminati-drenched world, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, with with all of its subterraneal messages because the enemy himself understands how to deal with people who don't think, uh, who don't think consciously, right? Right. The language is this. Uh, Again, he asked him if Jesus was God in the flesh. He said that was something he couldn't confess. He said, I am Santa. I come from afar. I stood in the truth. The devil you are. This is the guy retorting. Then he says that suit and that beard doesn't fool me one bit. Your jolly deception is straight from the pit. Beneath are your ho-ho-holes. Lucifer lurks with your all-seeing eyes in your gospel of works. Now, that part of the poem hit it, hit the nail dead on the head because what the enemy does, as you know, is he never comes with his pitchfork and his horns. He, he always comes deceptively, looking beautiful, attractive, and he's really going for the children. 
because he's right. cre- he's creating an army for himself. And if you and I were to expand this analogy of, of the tree, which is a kind of universal uh, uh, symbolism in almost all religions of a kind of life, that when Santa comes along, Santa comes along as the object of affection for the children. This big right. old dude with the red outfit and the white and those colors are, are symbolic of things we could talk about as well. And you certainly can see red and white as principal colors in uh, the Masonic Masonic uh, Lodge yeah, system. Exactly. I just re- yeah, I researched that recently. Yeah. Red and uh, blue as well. Yeah. Absolutely. The, those color patterns are. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're 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 right on right on time with that, and my yeah. point, uh, my point with the whole of the poem because there there is your typical song out that's been out for years. You better watch out. You better not cry. Exactly. You better not right. pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. If that's not a usurpation usurpation uh-huh. of of the great judge who's coming, you know, at all men, I don't know how you can miss that. However. He goes on to say he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. That's full blown works religion that has its roots in Catholicism and Judaism. Right. And if you take both of those systems, uh, Brother Chasen, we can have this conversation another time. Uh, they take on a full uh, shape shifting mode that reaches all the way up into uh, the Masonic system. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, uh, the adversary uh, is working mightily at this time of the year. Um, you, you got any other uh, question that you want to raise? Is this your first time calling, Chase? Yes, it is, actually. Um, I wanted to ask, what uh, church are you located at? What's the name of your church? Uh, Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Grace Bible Church. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely come by and check you out sometime. Um, uh, what was I going to say? What was the name of the poem? Uh, uh, my family, actually. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. About the only thing I can say is called, let me see here, I think it's called The Tree. Let me go back to my... Email. Yeah, it's called the tree, but it's called the Christmas tree. But if you email me, okay. I'm going to give you my email, GBC, all lowercase, GBC Hayward, because I just checked off a couple people who emailed me just now, GBC Hayward at gmail.com. I will send you the poem over and you can you can use it to help people, you know, gain some discernment. man. And that was what that particular poem was about. I'm about to do a, another one on enlightenment. Hey, bless you, man. Thank you so much. Bro. All right. I appreciate All right. it. Yes, absolutely. Let me see where are we at with our calls. We've got three lines open. Let's see. Lori is back on uh, line one. Let's not go there yet, though. What I want to do is read um, this next poem because I want to bring this into the conversation. I do want to hear from people who know how to biblically justify the tree. I want to do it for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have never done trees. I'm trying never to do a tree. Because I just don't, I don't care for the slippery slope. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't mind other people doing it. I don't care what you do. Quite frankly, in a lot of ways I don't. In some ways I can't say that. Because in in loving accountability relationships, we actually have to care about whether or not the believer is slipping into paganism or not. Um, You just have to be able to defend what you do. So we're going to go right now briefly from um, a poem about the tree on discernment to a poem about the tree of enlightenment. This one here is going to be much more a radically uh, Christocentric expression 
And this is going to be helpful to you as well. And I'll take your call. So I want you, Lori, to hold on. Okay. I'd love to hear from those of you who will be able to defend that tradition biblically, because we should be able to defend traditions biblically. If not, we shouldn't be doing them. I don't care what it is. So the second poem goes like this. And I know the young brother who wrote it. I happen to have mentored him for many years. It's called One Tree for All to See. One Tree for All to See. The halls are decked. A place is cleared for fir and pines this time of year. Alas, it's come. We've anticipated when once a year is celebrated. And what is it? Most do not know, nor why a tree should be a glow. May I suggest a tree for you? One tree that all should have in view. This tree is not from a salesman's lot, nor plastic, nor cut from a forest spot. Whether great or small, tis up to you. To some it's old, for others it's new. A father set it out. For the world to see upon a hill, this glorious tree, its glory shines brighter than a thousand lights that shall never dim. It pierces the night and all that come near may receive its gifts. The number so wondrous and infinite. Yet this father's joy hangs there upon one ornament of love, his dear dying son. He hangs there alone, no other decor, a curse for my sins. He suffered, therefore, his righteousness sure, his blood there he shed for all of God's people. He stood in their stead. The sun made it clear on Calvary's hill. He truly fulfilled all his father's will for this. He was born of a young virgin girl. And a lowly old manger, yet king of the world. He says it is finished while he hung on that tree. His innocent blood was shed for you and for me. The father was pleased to redeem sinners poor, to give his best gift. They need nothing more. The son thus was raised. Now forgiveness is free. The cross will ever be the one tree for all to see. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in a discernment poem and an enlightenment poem? And this poem was written by a young brother that uh, happens to be one of our uh, one of our deacons leadership, Michael Peterson, who has an excellent gift in, in poetry and spoken word, as well as uh, biblical teaching. He wrote this poem some seven or eight years ago, fully knowing my position on this. And uh, I think there is a tree to be put up. In fact, there is a tree that has been put up. And uh, if that poem has struck you in any kind of way, we can talk about it too. one 367 one Come on now. Don't be afraid. My job is to help you uh, maintain your, your integrity. That's our New Year's theme. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. 
You and I can't do stuff that we can't defend from the Bible and call ourselves a cons- consistent Christian believer. I've got three lines open. one 329 Let me talk with Lori in Oakland. Lori, are you there? Yes, Pastor. Hi, I'm here. How are you? Can you hear me? I'm good. I'm well. This is um, Melody and, and, and Willie's daughter. So what, girl? I did not. I didn't need to know that. I wanted to tell you who I was. <laughs> I already knew who you was. Okay, okay. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. So, um, so Pastor, I've uh, come under uh, um, a new uh, teacher. I'm sorry, my heart is beating really hard and really fast. Well, what um, you've been doing, running? No, no. I was just listening to that poem. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> right now in my life where um because of the the new teacher that I'm under she's explaining some uh she's basically gone through all of the pagan holidays for me because I have celebrated everything mm-hmm. but I never had any fear of anything because well I mean when you don't have certain information and you're you know you're not aware of certain things sure. then if you're if your heart is with the Lord, then that's kind of just all you running off of, just what you know, and and that's kind of how I was because um, a lot of things that people that's obviously real to them, you know, um, it wasn't real for me. Like I celebrated Halloween; it was fun for me, and this year is the first year that I haven't. Right. Um, my mom never condoned it. She never said it was okay, you know, growing up or anything. She never took us out, didn't buy costumes or any of that. But I did it, and I did it with my children. And in and in this teaching that I've been getting, because she's breaking down so many things that we've done as Christians, uh, because we haven't been taught any better, or because we are so, uh, you know, always, um, uh, what is the word? Um, materialistic. Um, materialistic. We're carnal. No, we're um, com- uh, compromising all the time. Yeah. Instead of standing firm on God's word. Um, we allow our children to do certain things because everybody else is doing it, and Agreed. especially if they go to public school, Agreed. you know, because Agreed. the kids would do their little parades around with the Halloween costumes and whatnot. So, I agree. Um, but what I've learned now, uh, and then, I mean, you can tell me uh, your understanding of this as well, but I'm no longer going to do the tree because <laughs> what uh, now I'm reading is that the evergreen trees for the pagans when they were doing their sun worship that it was a symbol of fertility um, because, you know, Satan is always trying to replicate everything that God does. He wants to make himself be God. And so um, they, you know, uh, had the symbol of fertility and resurrection and rebirth and that um, they would use the mistletoe. Um, they would take, they would, uh, they would do um, fertility rights. Sure, seances. Yep, without a doubt, there are there are those elements. Well, yeah, and so this would this would have come under a healthy church where uh, comparative religions is set forth, where um, you know the scripture is not going to tell you explicitly how to identify paganism, but it's going to tell you not to do as the pagans do. And so when you read Deuteronomy thirteen through uh, eighteen, it makes it explicit about these kind of pagan practices that national Israel was told not to do when they went into the land, and those principles were standing. Principles 
principles as well in the in the New Testament. The challenge with the church from the days of the apostles up to now, particularly Gentile churches, is how to walk in their freedom in Christ and not <clears throat> not slip again into the weak and beggarly elements of the world. So <clears throat> with 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 uh, with cultural practices or traditions, the believer has to do what the word of God did. And you didn't do this growing up. You didn't you didn't you you may have had a, uh, parents who helped you avoid certain traditions, but because they were not explained to you, you weren't able to have that vacuum filled with healthy biblical understanding. And a lot of kids grew up that way. And once they bolted from mom and daddy's home, uh, they entered into just a f- full you know, enjoyment of pagan practices trusting that they would be all right. But now as you are developing discernment and that's what's happening to you, you are developing discernment around things that you need to trim off because first of all, you can't justify biblically. And that's the most important thing to me when you can't justify biblically, you have no right to own it. So whatsoever is not a faith is sin. However, when you go into uh, studying those kind of uh, cultural, historical uh, arguments for pagan practices that are similar to what's going on in the church, you want to make sure that your uh, studies, Lori, are broad enough to understand any kind of argument against that particular historic view, because that historic view is one historic view. I happen to uh, recognize that particular view that you're talking about, how that the evergreen trees were definitely used as uh, fertility rites in pagan cults. In fact, we can find some of that in the scriptures because God would argue that that's what they did as well. Um, And we can see how that entered into the church and becomes that ubiquitous tree under which we put our gifts. Uh, and and yet do not know that that whole uh, underpinning is rooted in something that does not exalt Christ. It does not honor God at the highest level. And it actually takes away the direction of the gift because you heard the second poem, right? Yes, I did. Was it rich? Man, I, my heart is still beating because I'm just, I'm, it's just, there's a lot of changes and transformations taking place in my spirit right now. And, that just that just really it just really hit me you know like because it was confirmation yeah. as well you yeah. know right. because yep. there's so many things that the devil has taken and yep. perverted yep. because a tree in itself is beautiful god right. when he exactly. finished creating everything he said it was good that's right and so it's it's for us as you said for us to in our freedom to use our discernment to take whatever we're going to take you know, in, on this earth and use it for God's glory and worship him correctly, not to worship him in the, in the way that they do. Yep. And so my understanding now is to not even, I really don't even want to celebrate his birth on the 25th. It's like to the point where I feel like, because I'm celebrating God all year long anyways, I wake up and go to bed saying, praise your name, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for everything. But so, he had, he, had, he did know. have a birthday. So I'm going to help you with that because I don't oh, want you to. I, I don't, don't want know you, when. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want you to go to an extreme. So even okay, with your, yes, right, exactly. I don't want you to do that. All right. So um, bless your teacher if, if they're doing the right thing by teaching you how pagans go. But what I gave you guys, and I'm talking to all of the thousands of people that are listening. This is what I said in my opening monologue. It's one thing to have discernment. 
It's another thing to have illumination. Like if your teacher is teaching you what not to do, that teacher better know how to teach you the supremacy and exclusive exclusivity and the beauty and the sufficiency and the all encompassing nature of God in Christ. In other words, the gospel has to be radically at the center of all that we do. It's not enough to be able to discern evil. You have to also have a full revelation of the supremacy of Jesus Christ to fill the vacuum that evil leaves. There are a lot of people that are extremely trapped in don't do this and don't do that. Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't do that. I don't want you getting trapped in legalism. Do you hear me? Correct. Right. So 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 we want to learn discernment, but we also want to be enlightened. What saves us is a revelation of the glory of God in the person of Christ. That is the saving revelation that God gives us. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth and be ye saved, saith the Lord, for I am God and there's none besides me. Then the text goes on and says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And what I'm doing with this program is helping us trim all of the fat of secularism and materialism that that does get us and you are affirming Lori that you are on a good trajectory for uh trimming down spiritually and honing your walk with God just make sure that you don't leave out the fundamental thing and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified I gotta go bless you girl I gotta pay some bills when I come back I'll deal with Jermaine and Jackie got one more line open as well one 329 don't you touch that dial and now back to Lifeline. We are back. Three lines open if you want to call and chime in on our topic. one 367 I'll take Jermaine and then I will, after Jermaine, I will commence to explain to us how to respond to the very important and no pun intended Jermaine subject of traditions, good or bad. You still have to have a biblical basis for how to discern whether or not they are lawful or unlawful. And then you'd have to know how to be careful not to go to extremes and uh, spend more time stumping out the darkness than uh, illuminating the light in a biblical way. Line number two, let me talk with Jermaine in Oakland. Jermaine, are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah, man, you had to bounce off and on off all throughout the program. I hope you weren't uh, distracted too much. No, just I guess uh, bad areas, but I finally got a good line. So. Okay, cool. What's your what's your what's your observation and what's your comments? Um, you know, I was one of those people that was, uh, you know, a pagan celebrator of Christmas mm-hmm. back in the day, and mm-hmm. not necessarily questioning. But after doing some uh, homework. I decided it could be a, a opportunity for evangelism and a wonderful time to talk about Christ because I don't have that many opportunities to get together with many of my family who are separated. And, and I've had these conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses, friends and, and people I know right. who like to kind of try and corner you. Right. And as I always remind them that you, you're being judgmental, you're assuming I'm celebrating from a pagan perspective. Right. I look at it as opportunity. Or anything, I'll just like you look at an opportunity when you see a closed door to knock on it, right? And uh, just just an opportunity to explain uh, who Christ is, why Christ died, and then also, especially with uh, the the whole uh, Santa Claus thing. I've, I've never liked Santa Claus, even as a kid. I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> so I make it a point to teach my children that there is no such thing as Santa, and I feel kind of disrespected. If someone were to take my hard-earned work and and kind of twist it and put it on somebody else, and yeah, you only get gifts because 
you don't necessarily get gifts because of the time. You get gifts out of merit. And regardless of a situation, you don't just you don't just get anything based on being naughty and nice. I, I do that as an opportunity to show my love for you. Right. Right. And in that regard, um, as you're as you were hearing the the back and forth with, with everyone, if someone were to ask in terms of why the tree, would you be able to substantiate a, a kind of biblical premise for its right of presence? Uh, you know, that that's something I have struggled with. Mm-hmm. I did do some homework back in the day, but for me, I, I guess you could say more tree of life. Mm-hmm. I look at it as an opportunity to to share about the tree of life. I don't I don't see it. I've never heard the fertility angle. Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never heard the uh, other more pagan uh, responses. But I just look at the tree as far as you know, pointing to the tree of life in Christ and and you know, free gifts, free free love. I guess you could say free grace, right? Because you know, love and Loving gifts are, are, are equivalent. Did you hear my uh, the second poem by, by our deacon, uh, Michael, the second poem? No, I missed it. You did. Well, I'm going to quote it yeah. again, and it's rich around the tree before I close. So, um, but, but Okay, so is that really what you called about, or did you have some other things on your mind? No, I, I called to address the topic you brought up. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. But I was just, you know, bouncing in and out, so I missed a lot of it. Absolutely. So, good. So, you guys can uh, take a break, get some coffee or some hot cocoa, because I'm getting ready to expound on uh, the subject of uh, of traditions, why we do things that we do and why we don't. I got a good uh, 15 minutes, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so, uh, I'll see you, Lord willing, on Thursday. Bless you, my brother. Got four lines open, one 367 if you want to call in and and uh, I still would love to hear someone uh, give a, a, a healthy biblical argument for the presence of the tree. Um, and if you don't, that's cool. What I'm going to talk to you about now is why the believer is obligated to give a biblical answer uh, to whatever you do. Uh, I hope that, in fact, you did benefit from this two-hour uh, conversation around the Christmas tree and and the callers that called in, either uh, avoiding it, like Lisa did, just basically avoiding it, don't want to make a judgment, uh, and others who have uh, basically recognized that there are salient evil elements, as my brother uh, Chase was able to pick up on some of the Masonic terminology that was inherent in the poem, uh, inferring uh, Santa as being a diabolical uh, covert of uh, of the uh, Illuminati, uh, Illuminati system. I mean, we can take that and stretch that out beyond uh, what we would call credible evidences, uh, f- you know, that does not substantiate its existence. But there is all kinds of credible evidence that substantiates the existence of the Illuminati. Uh, especially in the entertainment world and in the world of politics and, and other places as well. It goes all the way back past the Knights of Templar, past, you know, the, uh, the, the, the major wars and battles of the kings of Europe and France and, and Portugal and, and Catholicism and the English church, etc. It's all interwoven together and it's still very much alive today, only very much more covert. When someone asks you, Why you do what you do, you have to be able to give them a biblical basis or else you are a deficient Christian. Isaiah 820 to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. 
Isaiah chapter 820, meaning if I don't have a solid biblical passage that justifies what I'm doing, reading the passage in context, not lifting it up out of context like people will do Jeremiah chapter 10. And they follow the customs of the people and they take a tree and they whittle it down and they stamp it with nails and then they deck the tree with ornaments. And immediately you have a kind of uh, a chronological uh, translation from 700 B.C. to the year 2019 where people are doing just that, been doing it for a hundred years and have been doing it in many ways for hundreds of years. And that Jeremiah chapter 10 is speaking directly to the tree being cut down as wood and being shaped into the image of an idol, Molech, Ashtarok and whatever, and then gilded with gold. You're not looking at a Christmas tree there. So we don't want to ever use a biblical text as a pretext, just completely tearing up the text to justify why we don't do a thing. That would be having discernment without having discernment. There are things we need to be careful not to do. It's just true. But uh, we are no different than national Israel was. Ancient Israel was. uh, And the early church slipped into a lot of paganism, quite frankly. In fact, if you really want to know the roots of a lot of the uh, traditions of Christianity, Judaism, uh, the Orthodox Church, Catholicism and Islam, just do the research you will find that they are all steeped into traditions because, uh, you know, until the word of God was completely canonized and affirmed as the codified uh, revelation by which we live our lives, uh, saints, the people of God had to listen to their superiors and their superiors were hijacking all kind of ideas and bringing them into the Christian religion. Uh, This is where Protestantism came into uh, play and Reformationism came into play. And once we got to the point where the only authority that we can really actually settle into and die for is the authority of the infallible, inerrant word of God, Genesis to Revelation. We can. And and by the way, get this. We can do research as Lori is doing with her teachers, et cetera on all of the paganism in the world. And you really should do the research, but don't let that be your diet. Don't you get your zeal out of don't touch this, don't touch that, don't do this. Get your zeal out of being able to expose the darkness. Ephesians 5, whatsoever is made manifest is light. Reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. Expose Satan for what he is, but then shift that light and point it gloriously to the person and work of Jesus Christ so that your conduct will be one that is evidence that you're walking in the light. Be able to know how to do what the scriptures would tell us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, he says to the rulers, he says, you are making void the commandments of God by the traditions of men. That's Matthew 15 verses 1 through 19. You can easily see where Jesus was being uh, uh, confronted by them. And they were saying, how come you don't wash your hands before you eat? And how come your disciples don't wash their hands? Well, they had elevated a tradition of hand washing almost to the level of a moral commandment. When God never did. And what Jesus was saying to them is you guys have built 600 plus uh, extra commandments rooted in the Talmud where you take on a form of godliness that does not have a biblical basis for it. And as such, what you're doing is binding people with heavy burdens too grievous to be born. And you are never pointing them to my father or to myself because Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. 
So it's important that you and I know how to discern and ask the question. If we have a tradition, let's let's take the tradition of birthdays because the Jehovah Witnesses will tear that one down, too. And if you follow the logical extension, this is why I'm going to stop Lori in her track because I love her too much to let her just run off the cliff. If you follow a logical uh, syllogism that I'm not going to celebrate Jesus's birthday. Now, out of all of the people's birthdays in the universe, you're not going to celebrate his. You'll celebrate yours. You'll celebrate your kids. You'll celebrate your boyfriends and your girlfriends and, and all your other. But you won't celebrate his. So the Jehovah Witnesses don't celebrate holidays and birthdays at all. That is a horrible, horrible response to era. Is life worth celebrating is it important to know the birth of our children grandchildren great-grandchildren is the dutiful day in in the which two people married and entered into a covenant union worth reminding every year is the celebration of that union important in the eyes of their children or should we just blow it off as if it never happened how would our kids feel if year after year after year there was no mention whatsoever on any level of their birth date? Uh, how unedifying that would be. Uh, so traditions are absolutely essential. You have traditions traditions running all through the Bible that are valid. They are not necessarily imperatives, but they are indicatives. That means that God allowed it. The people were doing it. And as long as it doesn't make void the commandments of God, it can be fine. Remember, Jesus said you are making void the commandments of God by your traditions. There is a very clear line to be drawn. Then if we do something traditionally, it should either be an honorable practice that edifies our fellow man or an honorable practice that exhorts, uh, exalts the person of Jesus Christ and, and, and exalts our God and honors our God because God has called us to love one another, right? If he's called us to love one another, then we can do that within the framework of tradition, the best ways, birthdays and anniversaries, etc. Secondly, I would not want to be part of a community that does not have any intrinsic compelling to worship the true and the living God in the person of Christ in the celebra- celebration of his birth, as was the case in Matthew's chapter two and in Luke chapter two, where we have an explicit explosion of celebration around the birth of the child. How honorable was that child's birth? That the Magi made their way all the way from the east, six, seven hundred miles and worshiped him. How? With gifts. How glorious it was when the heavens opened up and did declare peace on earth and, 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 and goodwill towards men of God's favor. That's the original context of that statement. And joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. That that joy of the birth of the child, the the magi giving him gifts, honored him as a king right then and there, even though he was a baby in the womb. I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday. Moreover, what kind of world would we be in come this time of year when right now we are in the winter solstice? Which, again, those who are in discernment ministries will recognize that a lot of dark and evil takes place in winter solstice from Halloween up to now. Uh, What kind of darkness would we be succumbing to if we had no lights everywhere? Just no lights, no recognition of of the birth of Christ, no recognition of a celebratory nature of anything. Just nothing. I'll just bland. Just keep life going as normal. 
we would be succumbing to the corrupting nature of our fallen uh, world system. When man fell, the universe was subjected to corruption as well as to hope. And so we live in the winter solstice of nights being long and days being short. And why did the church <clears throat> uh, begin the practice of uh, honoring Christ's birth on December 25th? It wasn't because they believe he was born on the 25th. Overcome shallow arguments. It was because they thought this was the best way to recognize that the days of darkness are ending and we are now about to move into our spring and summer days, a form and type of resurrection since Jesus is the bright and morning star, since he is the alpha and the omega, since he is the light of the world and we are the light of the world with him. From a biblical standpoint, that kind of proactive employment of the presence of Jesus Christ in the gospel in a world that would love to completely snuff him out or usurp his person by Santa Claus and other traditions that that uh, cultures uh, practice where the church can bring Jesus and make him central in the conscience and heart of the society. We should. And certainly your families should be sitting around at some point in time celebrating the birth of the one who radically loved you enough to take on a human nature and do for you what you would never do for anyone else. And uh, a little child shall lead them is what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday. So, yeah, I enjoy the lights. I enjoy the celebratory nature. I enjoy the happiness. I enjoy the pitter patter of feet. I enjoy the gifts. I enjoy the food. I enjoy opening my Bible and reading the story of Christ. I enjoy the gospel being played out in the drama of Christmas celebration. And I can justify it scripturally. Can't justify the treat. I don't care what you say, but I can justify the celebration of our Savior, and I can justify that family is of God, and I can justify the wisdom of families coming together around the Son of the living God, particularly if you profess to be Christians. Woe unto the society that cuts all the lights off. You see, we walked in darkness one time. We loved darkness. We loved hanging out in the joints where we were over in the corner like critters doing the nasty in the dark. But God in his mercy redeemed us and called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as Jesus is the light of the world, he said to you and I that we are the light of the world also. So let us hold forth the word of life so that the world can see Jesus and in seeing Jesus be saved. Until next time, God bless you. Keep your eyes on him. He's the only hope for glory. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.